Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Feed, and we are back. The Football Grad Podcast is back. We took a little bit of a break over the winter. Very, very busy over the winter, of course. Um, not just eating turkey and celebrating Christmas. Some of us, two Christmases. and But actually, yeah, making some changes as well. I'm now not only just the creator of the Football Grad Network and host of this podcast, but also the USA Area Manager at Transfermarkt. Um, a new role, enjoy the role, and I think it's going to be a lot of topics today. I'm going to cover some of the work that I do over on Transfermarkt, so I'm really excited to chat about this. Um, and helping me to talk about all of it, joining me from Vancouver Tim Bogdachev. Tim, I'm so happy we are back. I think I have to put you in the celebrating two Christmas category. Yeah, absolutely. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, Football Grad listeners. Thank you so much for being with us. Happy New Year. All the best to you and your families in uh, 2020. Uh, and yeah, I celebrated two Christmases, the Canadian one, because um, that's just, you know, the country where I live. And that's for our family, just an excuse to get together. And then we also celebrated the Russian Christmas, uh, which is on uh, September, oh, sorry, January. 6th or 7th and then uh, the big one for us is New Year uh, so I went to uh, out of the city um, we rented a, a nice house like a cabin and then celebrated the New Year in Russian style of snow uh, Olivier and the Russian movies and dancing wonderful stuff Ooh, Olivier, love it. yeah um, <laughs> you already heard his voice Andrew Flint um, are you a two Christmas person Oh, absolutely. I milk it for all it's worth. It's brilliant out here. You know, we've had <laughs> we had the Christmas New Year, the old Christmas, the Orthodox New Year and all that. Um, and I, I, I'm actually going to throw another celebration in there because it was, I believe it was, Tim, just remind me, New Year, old New Year was the 13th of January, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was in uh, 13th, yeah. Well, that was a double celebration for me because it was actually on the 13th of January, exactly 10 years ago, that I arrived in Russia for the first time. So that was my 10-year anniversary out here. So mm -hmm. I'm making it five celebrations. <laughs> Happy anniversary. And I have oh, to well, say, uh, I'm glad you guys celebrate both uh Christmas. I guess I celebrated two Christmases on the 24th and then again on the 25th. 
you know, German style, Canadian style. It's a little bit closer together. I'm not going to lie. We don't have to deal with the whole Orthodox Christmas stuff and New Year and different calendars and all that kind of stuff. Hey, but boys, you know what isn't Orthodox either? Vito Smolov, his new love affair. <laughs> uh, we have to start with that in our short news section. Uh, you guys, when you sent me this 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 message, I, I, I thought it was some sort of bizarre New Year's Russian joke. But he is engaged to Boris Yeltsin's, not daughter, granddaughter. And for those of you who don't know Boris Yeltsin, shame on you. He, he was Russia's first president after the fall of the Soviet Union. He kind of orchestrated the fall of the Soviet Union, got drunk with a bunch of bodies of his in a dacha in Belarus and basically carved up the entire empire. His granddaughter, Sweet 17, is now engaged to Fedor Smolov. Uh, I, I, I don't even know. Who, I give this to Andrew. You, Andrew, you have daughters. I don't think they're too far away from being 17. So uh, explain this to me because I, I'm struggling. I mean, I'm, I'm Fedor Smolov's agent. I don't know. Yeah, I, Manny, you've asked me to do the impossible there. I mean, look, I mean, there are people who have relationships and successful, happy relationships at varying ages and huge age differences. Personally, I, I just find, I always find it uncomfortable, even if I know that two people generally do love each other. But at this sort of age, it's not just the age difference, but it's the age itself. Mr. Smoloff himself is what, is he 29 now, 29, 30? Um, he's always twice her age. It's disturbing, I'll be honest. Um, I mean, and also it just adds to it that it is a very high profile family member. You know, it's it's never going to be out of the headlines. I know he's he. I know Smoloff has um, managed to stand up to various criticism for his form and other relationships in the past, but I just get the feeling I'm I'm worried almost that he's going to get an unbelievable amount of abuse for this. Um, and I wonder how he'll how he'll cope, whether he'll go into his shell, whether he'll want to leave Russia because of it. I don't know. I'm being very negative there. I realise, but. It is a very easy target for people to to mock him for, and who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe it is true love, and but it just seems it just feels uncomfortable. I'll be honest; it really does. It's a lot of going to be a lot of scrutiny on this, Tim, because Andrew Andrew points it out. Um, Boris Yeltsin was such a huge figure in Russian history, so this name carries a lot of weight on top of. You know, if if he was just a 29-year-old, was fallen for a 17-year-old, I, I don't think a lot of people would have maybe noticed um, because it's not illegal in Russia unless, you know, I, I'm mistaken here. So not a lot of people would have noticed, but um, it is Boris Yeltsin's granddaughter. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's adds a lot of flavor to that story because, like you said, maybe if it if they are let's say quote unquote normal people, uh, the people without media attention, maybe this story uh, the story probably wouldn't get any uh, media traction and any interest. But um, uh, this is this has been all over internet, all over media, and um, the reaction has been so far pretty calm. Uh, from from what I see, it was just has been reported. But um, I maybe I'm too. I'm not. I, I won't call myself a romantic. But I always see like that's how my dad brought me up. If two people are in love, 
let them be in love. Uh, kind of, I don't know if, if it is love because, like, you know, we don't know their relationship. We just know that they, uh, you know, officially made it official. But at the same time, um, I kind of see that uh, I, the reason I, I put a positive spin on that story because I think potentially, again, without knowing both people, I think they're a good fit because uh, Fedor Smolov really, really, um, he is he is known in Russian football that he um, he reads books. He goes to theater, he goes to museums, to, he really lives the life, what in Russian we call intelligent, like intelligent, a person who is kind of higher upper uh, education, uh, not class, but like the person with an education. And uh, he, he is known for that. He also does a lot of charity work. So he is known, especially in the later years, as a goodwill character. Obviously, Boris Yeltsin, granddaughter, um, she is in, uh, lives in London. She's going through uh, phenomenal education. So I think those are just two very well educated, uh, again, intelligent, using the Russian version of that uh, word meaning, uh, people who I think might be, again, a good fit. But like we were saying off the, um, off the camera, we're pretty much the same age as Fedor Smolov. And we would struggle in terms of having a conversation with a 17-year-old uh, because I don't really know, you know, it's the age gap is, you know, 10, 15 years. I think the interest might be slightly different and uh, you just your experience in life. Uh, we don't know that, but again, if they're having fun, you know, let them have fun. But again, like it's it's really really hard to 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 really understand their dynamics of their relationship given the you know that that age gap. So I would like to you know place devil's advocate and kind of put a good perspective on that story. But uh, again, like I'm I'm not hundred percent convinced. But you know, hopefully it's gonna be all great and they're all gonna be great family. Who knows? Yeah, I'm a happy family, modern family, modern family. Yeah, I hope they're happy. Um, what made me sort of unhappy though over the winter break is this next one. Leonid Slutsky, my favorite rapper, has <laughs> left Dutch football. Uh, and I mean, Dutch hip hop scene. At the Dutch hip hop scene, he had a great career there. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. I mean, the content that this man put out is just incredible. He left just the way he burst on the scene, announcing his resignation on camera um with a smile on his face it it it, it was it was quite remarkable so um <laughs> i i i i mean leonid slutsky is is quite a character uh, i remember he is amazing he, he is amazing because he is because remember when he when he did that video um that he was very heavily criticized for by some elements of csk's fan groups um, supporting the, the the Jewish community in Moscow, so I mean this is this is a funny man, but he's also a man that has very strong principles, and yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just he's delivering these strong principles in the funniest ways at time. Um, yeah, it, I thought it was quite refreshing actually the way he just resigned from Vitesse Arnhem. Um, fortunately for him, he was not without a job for long, Tim. Yeah. Uh, he it was very yeah interesting story. Lane Slutsky has been a regular feature on uh, Football Grad because he first was of course has been working at Hull and then he was in uh, Dutch league at Vitesse. So we obviously tried to cover as much as possible. He is not only his hip hop 
talents, but also a little bit about his football. And um, he left um, uh, uh, Dutch league after I think it was five straight losses or something like that. Uh, even the the situation in the table wasn't uh, tragic. It wasn't really, um, you know, they just had a really bad spell. But uh, the way Leonid Slutsky um, explained this, he felt like he um, kind of reached everything at this level. And what he meant by that is be because really like the, the way the Dutch football works, that they really, you know, adore that system of 4-3-3 and they really want to bring those young players. And um, once he was stepping aside from that vision of uh, Dutch football, he has been criticized. And he felt like, honestly, like without... Like, you know, you need to be Dutch in order to be successful and been successful for a long time in the league and not to get criticism. And he felt like I gave those players everything he says when I worked at Martin Odegaard, Odegaard, who now is just killing it in La Liga, playing for Real Sociedad. He said he needed me. He needed my attention. He needed he needed really that attention. Uh, but uh, he feels like um, everything was accomplished. So he left. Um, he left uh, Vitesse and he had a few options. The first option for him was uh, Ayek, Ayek uh, from Greece. But um, they had a few candidates, uh, Lenin Slutsky and the candidate who actually is the coach now is former Spartak Moscow coach Massimo Carrera, but the reason it didn't work out for Leonid Slutsky because he was asked to uh, be the coach of Ajax right away. As soon as he just pretty much uh, stepped away from Vitesse's job, he got this offer and he needed they needed the answer really quick in two days. He wasn't mentally ready because he needed to figure out how he's going to leave Vitesse, what's the next step. He wasn't mentally excited and ready to, to step into the Greek league and continue working. So that uh, uh, option fell through and Massimo Carrera is now coaching Ajax. So then he came back to Russia. And this is kind of the idea, which is absolutely has no insider's information. This is purely my thoughts. But I would like to um, share my thoughts and kind of explain why uh, Leonid Slutsky is now the coach of uh, Rubin Kazan. So when he was asked why he went with Rubin Kazan, he said, listen, it's not like I had millions of options. If I had a decent option in Europe, I would have gone to Europe. But the version, the option with Ajax didn't work out. If I had another options elsewhere or maybe in Russia, I could have really looked at this. But I didn't. I that was one of the few options from Rubin Kazan, and we need to understand where is Rubin Kazan is happening because after Kurban Berdyev left and after they hired um, Javi Gracia who English fans might know from working in English Premier League, they really, really uh, put a lot of uh, money and a lot of investment into players and to contracts with the whole idea of making it to Europe. So they make, made this risk of investing money for the financial fair play, and they failed. And they were under big, big, big um, um, problems with FFP, and they were disqualified from Europe for two seasons. So pretty much the club had nothing to play for two seasons because they're not going to get relegated. They have, they have strong players, but at the same time, there's nothing really to play. Even if you win the cup or even if you qualify for the Champions League, you cannot participate. So Rubin Kazan was in a very, very weird shape. For first year, they really went for the... Um, for trying to pay off this financial debts. And now they finished paying the financial uh, debts uh, with, with all those obligations. And now they have new investors, the new owners of the club. And now they have money and now they're building the new team. So that's why Leonid Slutsky was their option. For me, I'm thinking why Leonid Slutsky was looking at um, those options because in the interview he said, when I was um, living in Vitesse, I was looking for a long-term project. 
he needed a long-term project. And the way I think Rubin and that type of offer was interested for him because he um, recently, Leonid Slutsky, he got divorced. And knowing him as a pure gentleman, uh, I'm pretty sure that financially he did everything very, very respectful to his ex-wife. And uh, he also have a lot of responsibilities. He's sponsoring the whole academy in his home city of Volgograd, and he spends a lot of money uh, really sponsoring and really uh, having, like, you know, pretty much single-handedly uh, having 250 kids training in Volgograd. Even he is a very wealthy man because he worked in CSKA for so long, had a very good contract. He still, I think it was, uh, the divorce was kind of a fairly hit for him financially, give, keeping in mind other things, which, uh, you know, other expenses. So I think he was looking uh, for a long project. Also, not only because he wanted to work with something interesting and that was the offer for him, but also I think financial circumstances were important to me. And don't get me don't get me wrong in this. That's it's not really purely you know money. I think that's kind of all those factors uh, where the Rubin is right now that they're going through a rebuild. Um, his uh, personal life and uh, that he didn't really have any other offers. I think all that makes kind of this synergy between Rubin Kazan and Leonid Slutsky and their um, strategy of building a new team and a long project, I think everything makes sense. And that's why I think this is a very, very strong uh, step for, uh, by Rubin Kazan. And I think uh, Rubin Kazan really will be a successful club if everything goes well uh, in the next few years. So that's kind of my vision. Sorry for taking so much time, but I wanted to explain this. So I'm curious to see your, your vision of that uh, appointment. Wow. Tim, um, that's the entire package right there. And Supposed to be short news, right? Uh, short news, yeah. Uh, so, sorry, sorry. Andrew, um, <laughs> we have 10 seconds left for you to give your part. I think he just likes the kit. Okay, cool. Um, let's move on then. <laughs> I, can't, I can't add to more than Tim. I, I agree with what Tim says. I think it makes sense all around. But um, I, I think he will be successful, actually. I think it's a very good, sensible appointment. Uh, that, that was short. Um, I have to unmute my <laughs> microphone again and keep going. So, yeah, um, this this is one story. I am personally very sad because it means he will give interviews in Russian and that's just not as funny. But that's that's my opinion anyways. I think he... But he will be very successful at Ruben Kazan. I have absolutely no doubt because he is he's a very good coach. This This must be the final time we're going to discuss those two, right? It's a sad moment. It's a sad moment. It feels like an end of an era, don't you think? There's man? a lot of it just, those today. It's it's just it, the world is changing today, and I, I feel uncomfortable. We have we have to go through this painful period in our development before, as football grad. Before we do this, there there is actually two running stories going on in this. All right, so we were talking about Mamaev and Kokorin. They are finally out of jail, freed from their imprisonment. Um, Back allowed on playing football. Uh, but where did Kokoran go? This is uh, unbelievable. He joined Sochi. This is the... I have lost count. How many players? Uh, Sydney nine. Players, uh, nine. Thank you, Tim. Nine players. Nine. Wow, that's half the squad. Nine players. Um, Sydney have loaned out to Sochi. They're the farm team. Um, that's an incredible amount. Andrew... But, you know, he had a good start, I guess. He scored a goal for them um, against the Qatari second-tier side. Three goals, actually. And um, Amayev played um, for Rostov in the draw against Pachtakor in the Uzbek side. So, 
yeah, explain to me what's happening here, what's going on for them next. I think Mamaev's move to Rostov actually makes a lot of sense. Kokorin going to Sochi, yeah. it's getting a little old, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it just feels like the broken record is being put back together and being broken all over again. Um, I mean, we we all thought, I think, that when Sochi made all these signings, that, you know, I mean, it brought in Christian Naboya, for example, one of the, in my opinion, one of the most creative midfielders in the league. Um, and Dimitri Polos was a statement signing. You thought, well, they should be fairly comfortable from from relegation and they're struggling and um, bringing in Kokorin is it feels like they're sort of doubling up on their on their losses which uh, is putting quite a lot of pressure on Kokorin's shoulders you've got to remember the guy I mean yes he played a bit of football in prison but it's not exactly the same as the mighty standard of the Russian Premier League so you know he's over a year out of professional football and um you know he, he he's only got 11 games effectively to save Sochi from relegation. Um, now, the thing about Kukorin, he's a fantastically gifted player. There was a clip of him in training for Zanit scoring a, a brilliant overhead kick, scores a hat-trick, um, admittedly against the Qatari second-tier side, but scores a hat-trick, assisted twice, had one goal disallowed. And, and on top of all that, he was actually named captain for Zanit in that friendly. So, you know, Yes, it's against the Qatari second-tier side, but his confidence is clearly up. I think he's just delighted to be playing again. But when he gets down to Sochi with a slightly lower quality of teammate and more pressure on him, it'll be an interesting test of his character. I actually think it makes a lot of sense all round, um, but he's got to rise to the challenge, whether he will or not remains to be seen, really. That trend, that alone really um, caused a lot of controversy because uh, Zenit fans were really excited to have Kakorin back because he apparently was in a phenomenal form. He was training very, very hard and he was really like, the uh, the fans really uh, were ex excited to see him. Uh, Sergei Simak, who is the coach, numerous times in the interview said that the quality of uh, players of quality uh, as Kakorin, he needs those players. So like the footballing side was everything on that but he was forced to go to and forced because Kakorin uh, apparently says he doesn't want to leave Zenit he doesn't want to go on that loan but he was forced uh, to go to Zenit to Sochi to help them out because they're currently on the last place and they can't really get relegated because of all the connections they have uh, but that caused a lot of a lot of controversy because even uh, Sergei uh, uh, Simak in his personal Instagram he's getting have been bombarded with uh, the messages like why are you letting Kakorin and go what's going on and he really kind of yeah, made a couple of comments saying this is this is not my decision i don't stand by this decision and like i need this player so and then somebody asked why are you you said in the past that you need the player why are you changing your mind and he says i'm not changing my mind uh this is not my decision so to me it sounds like you know once once kakorin was out of prison on the top level the management of sochi and the management of zenith who obviously have connections without talking to football just decided hey listen kakorin's out of jail he's probably not in the top form can maybe we have him to help out sochi to get out of relegation they said yeah of course for sure but then it turns out kakorin is an amazing form form uh, the coach needs him but he has already agreed to go to Sochi so it's it's a little bit of controversial and I'm not sure how it's gonna uh, roll out but it's an interesting story uh, where again like the uh, people who don't really understand fo football but make decisions in football are fighting against the actual uh, the game and it's of course not controversial at all because these teams are not connected whatsoever at all yeah no no no, no connection whatsoever <laughs> 
Absolutely uh, and this, none. this no. story is absolutely no proof whatsoever that 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 might be the case. Um, but guys, um, let's, let's talk some positive Zenith story then. They have announced their little field a women's team. I personally think that's great mm -hmm. news. I think that every professional team out there um, should field a man's and a woman's team. Hint, hint, Borussia Dortmund. Andrew, this is wonderful, isn't it? If they really go for it, because I yeah. mean, this is a team with so much money and to, to field a woman's team um, to help Russian women's football, it's just such a sensible thing to do. Well, it is really. And uh, I do think there's a sense that a few big clubs around the world who have only recently introduced women's teams have done so partly out of social pressure. I don't really care how it happens because a team needs to be there. Um, Manchester United have only had a women's team for the last two years, or at least they they used to, but they disbanded it. Um, and for Zanit to bring a name in, a brand name, I mean, Tim will understand what I mean by this. A lot of Russian fans relate to big names, brands. You know, they relate to it very, very strongly. Um, if it's if the quality is not there, if the big name is not there, interest can drop off. And the women's... Uh, Russian Women's Premier League, I'll be perfectly honest, I've lived here for 10 years and I found it virtually impossible to find any information about it, to follow it in any way whatsoever, other than the last year or two. Um, you know, the, the former coach of Tumen, Goran Alexic, was a very successful in women's football here and he coached Zvyosda Piem, um, got them to the Champions League, but, you know, I, I never heard about that. Um, so Zanit getting in there, the backing they will almost certainly have, um, you know, they... Zanit, the club, have already mentioned that they basically want Zanit to be challenging at the top within a year, two years maximum. Uh, it's only a small league as well, so with Zanit's backing, the financial background they'll get, they're going to share, I believe, the training base with the first team as well. So it, it sounds positive. They're making the right noises. Um, I think it can only be a good thing, really. And you know, The only, only concern I'd have, and this is really nitpicking, if they are too heavily invested then to sort of the power balance will swing so heavily in their favor potentially that you know other clubs might sort of lose up lose hope almost but at least at least we have locomotive we have tiska we have zanit now so there are some big name women's teams and it can only be a good thing for women's game yeah i think that it should be almost mandatory for the big men's clubs to field a women's team as well you know otherwise it's it's a bit of a boys club isn't it and um we're in the 21st century Heck, we're in the 20s of the 21st century. It's it's time, you know. If you are a big club out there and you don't have a women's team yet, um, you should probably get on it. Because it's, it's actually also, in my opinion, I think it's a smart financial investment um, because you're opening yourself up to an entire market, uh, an, an untapped market. Um, a lot of women don't follow necessarily certain teams, but all of a sudden they have a women's team you know they might actually buy into your club so um it's it's a no-brainer for me so if you're a club not on that yet you should probably get on that um smart investment guys the russian premier league has voted on reform and we, we talked about reforming the league and the league structure and making changes to the, the, the amount of teams in the first division many many times tim um The Russian Premier League GMs, 14 out of 16 clubs, have voted in favor of expanding the Russian Premier League to 18 teams. Uh, the only teams that voted against were Spartak and Zenit. 
Now, mm-hmm. that, however, does not mean that we will actually see a league expansion, right? Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern and iconic family classics, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. And with new series, episodes, movies, and fresh content arriving every week, AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. As of yet, there's a few stages uh, to make this uh, happen because that's kind of like uh, if you really simplify things, that's like the opinion raising their voice. Uh, sorry, the clubs raising their voice, their their idea, and this needs, still needs to be concerned by Russian FA. But I think it's absolutely ridiculous, and that makes me so angry and so mad. I think this is absolutely insane. Uh, decision to uh, um, to increase the number of teams in the Russian Premier League from 16 to 18. I think it's uh, it's ridiculous because we still remember how recently we had issues with Tom, with Amkar Perm, with Amji, who didn't have money to travel. Those are very recent examples. If you have, if you want to extend your league to 18 clubs, have at least 25 clubs who are kinda in that area who can provide the financial backup. You have clubs which are bankrupting and halfway through the season and they're going, going out of existence. Andri, Amkar, Perm, uh, all, all those clubs. I, I, I find it absolutely ridiculous. And I don't understand how the... Um, it's they say that you know by because okay in 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 England they have twenty teams and in all top divisions they have twenty teams so they have more um, games and they have more um, intensity no no but but by adding like Tambov or I don't know some other team from uh, FNL you're not gonna get intensity. You're going to get the number of games, but this is not going to get you intensity. The most intense league we had when the when it was transitional season, uh, year and a half, and then in the end of the year, they have uh, two um, the, the teams breaking down into eights, and then the top eight played against each other. And that was that was very that was on, on the top of uh, the intensity was similar to European. This is what, in my opinion, the clubs need to do. You cannot ex- ex- extend the number of teams. You need to extend the intensity of games. And by doing that, you need to decrease the league and make those teams play uh, Spartak and Zeska and Zenit and Lokomotiv and Krasnodar not play twice, and maybe play four times per year. And this will increase intensity instead of playing four times against uh, or two fights against uh, Tambov or any other team. No disrespect to Tambov, but uh, yeah. Uh, I am I am absolutely mad and I think this is so stupid. I'm finished renting. <laughs> Manu, I'm not sure what Tim's opinion is. Have you worked out whether Tim's for or against it? I couldn't quite make it out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm still um, wondering. But honestly, like Andrew, <laughs> what 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 could motivate teams uh, to do this? 
Because well, I, mean, I, I think yeah, Tim, Tim has a point. The, the The fact is that you're not going to get more intense games. You're adding games to the schedule, but that doesn't necessarily mean that enough people will show up to watch these games because who's going to care about Tampov playing Nizhny Novgorod, for example, right? Exactly. No, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a smokescreen. It's nothing to do at all with the intensity of the games. In truth, they'll say that because it sounds slightly more... I don't know, honourable perhaps, but of course it'll, it could only possibly be about money. Um, clubs must think if they have more games. But I, I find it slightly odd because if they open up the leagues to more spaces, it means there's slightly more possibility of teams further out east coming in and that means more cost and travel. There really isn't a huge amount of match day revenue in Russian football because the average attendance is... Uh, somewhere around the 10,000 mark and that's only boosted by two or three very big stadiums like Spartak and Zenit of course so realistically other than those one or two really big games a year um, you know the attendances on average are, are much less than 10,000 so match day revenue is very low um, I, I, don't, I don't honestly actually get it to be honest it, it's more strain on the league like Tim says it's, it doesn't take a genius to work out that there just simply is not enough solid base for even more teams to come up when at 16 we already have you know virtually every season a struggling team goes out of business or has to has to accept voluntary relegation so it is madness and I'll tell you what makes it even madder I would have a little bit more I mean five percent more understanding if they said okay but we're going to revert to the spring to autumn timetable in other words you know, create a little bit of extra space for those extra fixtures, given the, the the weather here. You know, you cannot change when the season will finish and end the maximum limits because of the snow and the ice and the temperatures. So um, to expand it and keep this timetable is even more nuts. It's just, they, they haven't thought it through. They really honestly have not thought it through. Because in the end, if you think about it, when games are cancelled, which inevitably they will be if they expand the league like this, it's going to cost them to reorganise games. So I, I really don't know what they're thinking is. It seems like there's a lot of reform right now going on, though, right? Um, when you look at the, the proposals with the Russian Cup, with the Russian Premier League, um, Tim, yeah. it's, it is something... Is this just reform for reform's sake? Well, I, I kind of see the reason why the clubs want to, because you're adding two teams which are potentially weaker than your team. That means that it will be safer for you to save the, uh, your place in a Premier League. So, for example, for clubs like, I don't know, even Sochi or even the, you know, Tambov clubs, if, uh, if you know, if you're adding or like Ufa or even you know, I didn't work all those clubs. If you're adding two weaker teams, that way it's easier to stay in the league. And also by adding, I think also the agents are pushing this. If you adding uh, two more teams, that means two more transfers. Two more teams need to get get players, so there will be just more percentage from the transfers completed. So I see kind of again, this is uh, allegedly, and this is what I, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But uh, to me, it's easy easy to see the reason why why this is happening. And again, this is not football. This is pure money uh, and uh, business side of things. So, so I, I think, like you said, it's the, those um, changes are purely just to benefit uh, the peoples at the uh, at the top. So then, boys, what do we make then of this decision or this idea that 
the Russian Cup is going to be reformed as well, that there's going to be a group stage first of three teams in each group, and then followed by a two-leg round where most FNL teams will enter. It's, it seems a little bit like the Turkish proposal, but is this again about more games? What is this this reform supposed to do, Andrew? Well, actually, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck out and say I think it's a good idea in principle. In principle, we need to see what it's like in practice. But the idea being that actually, for the for most teams, it will for the higher up the league system anyway, there will actually be slightly fewer games to play simply because there'll be a group stage, two group stages as well. And if you think about the lower leagues, if you're in the PFL, most divisions other than, I believe, the south and centre division, the five divisions that we have, well, at the moment anyway, um, in the Oral Povolja, there's only um, only 12 teams. So you only have 22 regular season games. There'll be five more at the end of the season when they split into the championship relegation round. So, they're playing fewer league fixtures than the certainly than the FNL and the Premier League side. So for the PFL teams to play one or two extra fixtures, um, and realistically more of them will drop out of the cup at an earlier stage, it means it actually works out for best for everybody, I think. And one one proposal they've had as well is that the higher placed sides in the FNL and the European qualified sides in the Premier League will enter at a, at a later stage than the other teams in their division, which, again, I think is not a bad thing. It rewards it rewards success, and it puts better quality teams slightly further into the competition. You guys remember two seasons ago when, in the first round of Premier League teams entering, the round of 32, only six Premier League teams actually got through to the next round because they just didn't take it seriously enough. So if you automatically help nudge, or force higher placed teams further into the competition. I think it adds a little value to the cup. Um, I'm not entirely sure how well it's going to work with the complicated system, group stage knockout and group stage and knockout again. But I think I actually see the logic and I think it's worth doing because the Russian cup at the moment is starting to suffer um, a little bit. Uh, you look at this, look at right now. We're down to, what is it, the last uh, last eight teams. One side of a draw has only got one Premier League club in it. So we need to improve the Russian Cup standing. And I think it's worth trying. There's a lot of reform proposals then um, in Russian football. And there usually is quite a lot. And it seems like through the years that I have covered Russian football and you know the, the years looking back, writing my, my dissertation going all the way back into the 80s, Reform and changes were always proposed when things were kind of going bad. And um, although the league is very exciting and there's a lot of investment, and we spoke ahead of this season, how much more money was invested in this in this competition, a lot more than used to be the case, right, um, a few years back. But the truth of the matter is that Russia lost their third Champions League spot. It almost seems like that, you know, a lot of these reform proposals it seems like you know in german we have a word term called actionismus actionism make trying to like reform for the sake of reforming is does this almost feel a little bit like this yeah because i think you know something that we will talk uh, we have on the main you talking and maybe we can touch it a little bit uh, sooner in the in the podcast but like i think that was the result of uh, none of the teams from russia making 
king of uh, the European football. Um, I think I don't think that's like you know that shows that uh, there's uh, problems in Russian football. Of course, there are problems in the Russian football, but I don't think this. The, I think it's a case by case scenario in every single. Uh, story with every single club, but um, I think that was really kind of the trigger to all the changes, and um, I don't I don't really agree with that. Uh, definitely, the the level of Russian leagues football went down from the time when we had Andriy Mahachkala and like lots of really strong European players. Uh, the level ha- has gone down, but I don't think that um, you know that. The result that Russian clubs didn't make it to Europe really, really is really the problem which could be solved with adding two clubs to the top division or with a restructuring the cup. I it's like it's 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 I think this is the German word which you just pronounced. I think that this is what it is. What do you think, Andrew? Is this because we've seen this so many times that whenever something does not quite go in their direction, the big bosses wanted to. Then all of a sudden you have this flurry of reform ideas and discussions, and I mean, usually nothing comes of it. But what what is your thought on this? Well, yeah, I think I think there's there could well be an element of that. Um, like I mentioned the last last part, uh, I do think the reform of the cup is a simple way to do it, and it doesn't particularly disrupt the season in in a in a great way, but it hopefully will help with the league. I think also something we need to remember, they're focusing on the wrong end of the league system. It's not a Premier League that needs to be yes. reformed. It's the lower leagues that need to be reformed because they're, that's what provides the base for the teams that end up getting promoted. And it's it's a complete minefield out there. You've got Rota Volga, top of Fenel this season, and they were flirting with relegation all last season. Um, about two seasons ago, Fakul Voronezh were fifth or sixth and they just missed out on the playoffs. The next season, um, they were in the relegation zone right towards the end of the season. It's so unpredictable. And those are with clubs that are still in existence, like we alluded to earlier. Other clubs go from challenging for promotion to out of existence altogether. That's the end of the league system that needs to be more solid because unless you're a Dynamo Moscow When they were relegated three or four seasons ago because of the financial fair play restrictions, that was a success story. And I said so at the time, financial fair play regulations, because it forced them to clear out the overpaid foreign stars. They had a season in the Faneel, but they were always going to be secure enough financially, whatever happened. And they went straight back up and they're on slightly more solid footing now. Um, but most clubs don't have their backing. Most clubs don't have their history and their reputation where they're guaranteed not to fail. Um, and that's that's the problem. It, the, the amount of travel, the amount of... The, the PFL East Division, for example, the last pod before the winter break, we mentioned this, they announced that it's going to be disbanded for the next season. There will be no division out there. Those clubs are going to be split and they're going to have to travel even further. It, it's a complete mess. That's what needs to be sorted out. Um, all of these changes, just think of this, boys. Have we really seen any improvement of Russian clubs' performance in Europe since they made the change to this timetable matching the European calendar? No, we've, it's got worse. Um, and this sort of change, I, I don't believe it's going to help for the European places. And if it's not going to help for that, then what, what are we doing it for? You know, it needs the health of the whole Russian game, not just the Premier League, needs to be looked at. It needs to be further down and much more ingrained. And I, I 100% agree with you on on that statement. I think that uh, a healthy 
leak needs to stand on a healthy foundation and maybe that is something that is just not there or it isn't there because as you point out the fnl half the teams even the successful ones go bankrupt at the end of the year right you have a lot of teams still owned by um by the state in in a sense or state actors and i think that that that's a true symptom and i think them doctoring around on the league um i i think tim makes a really good point the the two extra adding two extra clubs is more of a security blanket for teams that are on the cusp of getting relegated because usually exactly relegation in a lot of ways is is a death sentence for a team like tampoff don't be surprised if they go down and if they disappear it happens all the time um you know they, they, we had teams win the russian cup and being disbanded the next season it's it is not something uncommon so I, I think that is really what they're trying to achieve, but they're going at it the wrong way. So uh, something to keep an eye on. I mean, we, we do do these structural ideas and thoughts on the league. It is, it is a complicated thing because I, I think that the, the foundation, maybe the foundation needs to be changed. Maybe, maybe Tim is right. Maybe they need to go to 12 clubs and uh, you know then make sure that the teams that go down it will be a lot harder, but um, that the, the second division, it would actually strengthen the second division quite a bit. Yeah. So, so, and then you have better football, which then makes you more competitive in Europe. Maybe, but I, I'm not I'm not an oligarch. I'm not a GM of a Russian club. It's, it's not my decision. Um, I can only watch and comment. One thing that I've been watching a lot, it's kind of part of my job description nowadays, is transfers, boys. Um, we got a lot of big name transfers so i i think we'll just kind of go through them by name to name basis real quick andrew this first boy even ignatyev i feel like we've talked mm. about a potential transfers for quite some time um there were some issues with krasnodar and his contract extension that's now been solved he's off yeah. to hang out with leonid slutsky at rubin kazan <laughs> hope his rapping skills are good um yeah. Yeah, I, I, I goal, quite have to see this chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, I think uh, Lenislavski's experience in the underground scene will be far far better than Ignatius. But yeah, I, I'm pleased to see this transfer go through because Ignatius, I was starting to get quite concerned at how Krasnodar seemed to perceive. Whether it was accurate or not, obviously they will know far more than we will, but it looked like they didn't quite trust his attitude or his advisors. Either way, a fresh start was was kind of needed for him because he is a great talent. You've got to remember he was the um, UEFA Youth League top goal scorer two seasons ago, and he's come through one of the best academies in Russia. Now he'll be playing under a manager who has a personable side. Um, Rubin are, I would argue Rubin are on the up. They've got some really good young players. Um, they've invested in the Georgian market quite well. Um, and he's a big name signing as well. Rubin have trouble scoring goals, so he's going to be he's going to fit right into that side. He's got some good creative players around him and a good manager there. So I, I'm pleased to see it because I hope it will save what could have been a wasted young Russian talent. So over to you, Mr. Ignatiev. Um, prove us all wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, Alexander Kokorin. To Sochi Unknown, we've already covered that story, so don't want to spend too much time on it. But Tim, um, Janu Ananice, here's a player. Um, we have a word for that in German too. The eternal talent. <laughs> yeah. You know, ewige talent. Um, such a talented boy, but just never really showed us what he can do. And he's now been released by Spartak. 
Yeah, that's a little bit sad. Even Jano never kind of made it to the expectations which uh, he had. Uh, to, to two reasons. The first one, he unfortunately has had a lot of injuries, and he was in and out, recovering from injury, trying to get the form, start getting some minutes when getting another injury. This is probably his whole career um, in Spartak since it's over ten years. And um, the other idea is obviously he's he's. He's a fairly small player, so sometimes when Spartak was playing against like the big um, center backs or the big um, defender midfields, he was really outmuscled um, in in those games. And given that you know sometimes he wasn't in his best physical conditions, just recovering from the injuries, he just really showed a little sparks here and there. But unfortunately, he he was released by the team for the payout of one million dollar. He was. Uh, it was actually referring to transfer market. His salary was one point seven million dollar per year, but his cost on transfer market was eight hundred and fifty. So he was making more than he was worth. Uh, that was kind of like the the the, the joke about a little bit of disorganization in Spartak's uh, management. But to me, it's a little bit sad because he has been with Spartak sixteen for the past over ten years. He became the champion of the team, and he was the longest running player who we had in the squad. So I always liked him. He was a very technical player. So I'm a little bit sad to see him go, but good luck. One of the options for him is going to Turkey. And if that doesn't work out, he has an offer from Tambov. So maybe he will reunite with Milkanza there. Yeah, hopefully, because I, I do always had a soft spot for Jano Ananitsa and always was yeah. wondering when that breakout is going to come. Sadly, never did. Um, Andrew, Dimitri Skopensev from... You know, this boy, I've, I've been following him for quite some time because he was at Liefering in Leipzig and that Red Bull um, assistant mm. for a while. Now he is at Dynamo Moscow, joins from Krasnodar. Interesting transfer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when he moved from Rostov after a really, really good season there where he, he sort of played, started at left back and then moved further forward. And then at Krasnodar, given number 11 shirt, but never quite getting a, a spot in the starting lineup. Um, Kristen Ramirez has been outstanding at left back. She was never really going to get fit in there. Um, and then when you think further forward up the pitch, Victor Klaassen is coming back from injury. Remy Cabea will be back from injury soon. I think his opportunities are going to be very limited. But on the other hand, going to Dynamo Moscow, you know, it's it's a step down in quality, but not because Dynamo really were motoring before the winter break. Um right up into mid-table again, having been in the relegation zone at the start. Uh, he is, a, I would say, he's about a big name in a big side now. So, you know, Dynamo Moscow probably should be pushing for all it's worth to get near as near to sixth place as they can. I mean, they're only one point off now, I know, but, you know, there's a big jump up to fifth. Uh, I get the feeling it's a very, very good move. Again, another sensible move all round. And I'm pleased for Skopintsev because he could potentially be a, a challenging for a spot in the Russian national team squad. But he's got to prove himself. And now he's got the opportunity. So I'm pleased to see this. Interesting deal. Instead, another interesting deal is Yunus Namli. Um, we covered this on Transfermarkt US. So he's off from Krasner to uh, Colorado Rapids. Um, he's a designated player there, which means he's a big investment, but he's a, you know, on a loan-to-buy deal. Um, Colorado have tried for a long time to get him. They were already tracking him when he was back at PSC. 
Swallow, they finally sign him. And I'm really curious to see him over here. You know, we're covering MLS quite extensively now on, on Transfermarkt and uh, on Transfermarkt.us, um, the site that I that I run on the Transfermarkt network. Um, we, we be tracking all those transfers going to MLS. And this is going to be a kit that's going to be fascinating to watch. So it's curious to see how he does. Um, Tim, this next transfer is for you. Fernando loan to China ended, but does that mean he's actually going to come back to Spartak? Unfortunately, no. I'm a big Fernando fan, but he left to China on, I think he tripled his salary from Spartak, and Spartak got a very, very nice payout on him, so it was a very financially lucrative deal, and even Fernando himself asked to go because he was offered crazy money. The way the deal was structured, that it was uh, two different contracts. Uh, one was a loan deal, and then the permanent deal. Um once the loan ended, they still had to sign, as I understand, the permanent deal. And uh, I think that's how the rumors appeared that uh, he might come back to, to Russia, to Spartak. But uh, I, to me, I have a suspicion that it's probably agent games. They're probably trying to get a little bit more money from the, uh, from the Chinese uh, club. Um, so, But uh, to be honest, I don't think there's any... Uh, so far any ground in that potentially that uh, Fernando might come back to Spartak as much as I would love that to happen because he was definitely one of the most talented players Spartak had in the past 15-20 years. Yeah, it's a complicated one. We actually covered this uh, on Transfermarkt. The rules in China have changed. There's a form of salary cap brought in um, they got rid, rid of the luxury tax and now the salaries of players are going to be massively restricted. So he might not be able to stay in in uh, China. Um, so I'm really curious to see how that story develops. Well, I will welcome him with both hands <laughs> if, he can, <laughs> if he can come back because he is just a phenomenal player. Uh, but but yeah, I suspect, especially with that information, I suspect that that's yeah. just good, some kind of like uh, agent games trying to get a little bit more money from a Chinese club. It's, it's an interesting one for sure. And um, considering that the changes are happening in Chinese football, I think there's going to be a lot of players being all of a sudden available in the market because that Chinese influx of money has has ended it's over um so yeah i'm really really curious to see because russia is one of the leagues that has benefited from that the most that's for sure um next transfer and this is an interesting one Ilyash Gorin uh signed from brest to cska moscow this kid can score boys uh 19 goals seven assists in 26 games won the title as well in belarus um, this is a fascinating signing, Andrew. Yeah, it is. And it's very much in character with Tesco's transfer dealings over the last, well, 18, 24 months. Ever since they got rid of that experienced spine of her team, they've really dipped into slightly lesser known markets, picked up some absolute bargains, and they've done extremely well. I mean, I, I was never aware of, of the likes of Christian Bistrovic, for example, Um or Yaka Biol from Slovenia. Now Ilya Shkurin has come in. And uh, one fairly obvious bit of logic behind it is that being a Belarus international, you won't count as a foreigner. When we've got the foreigner rule coming in next season, a lot of clubs need to be starting to look at that, the 8 plus 17. So um, Shkurin makes good sense. Um, he, the language shouldn't be a problem. 
Um, he, like you say, he's scoring goals for fun. He scored over a goal a game for the last 20 goals of the season in Belarus. Now, I know the Belarus League is not to the level of the Russian Premier League, but nevertheless, he's, he's an investment. He's only 20 years old and they've not paid a huge transfer fee for him. So the very worst, you'd imagine they would make a profit if they were to sell him on or at the very best, he could challenge Fyodor Chalov. And that's been a problem that Tesco have had in the last, I don't know, say season two seasons, Chaloff has not really been pushed all the way with a serious contender for his spot. So whether Shkodin will actually be up to that is, remains to be seen. But I, I think he could be a very, very good bit of business yet again by Tiska. Yeah, interesting one for sure. I'm, I'm curious to see how this works out. Um, then we, I just want to cover this one real quick. Krasnodar, probably the biggest seller, 20, 20, $22 million worth of players sold. Cueva gone to Santos, Gopinsev to Dinamo, obviously, Ignatyev gone, Lamni gone. Uh, we'll have to see um, how these transfers work out. Another club, very inactive, is Lokomotiv, I guess, with the, the monkey of the back no longer in the Champions League. They don't need to make that big investment. Uh, this is last one is one that I want to really chat about. Um, Baoshan Islamhan, on trial at Sinit, Kazakh captain, he's a free agent, um, There's been all sorts of names used for this kid. I, I think someone called him the Kazakh Messi once. I, I always <laughs> find these kind of things ridiculous. But uh, Tim, thoughts on this one? Well, it's hard for us to have any thoughts because we don't, we haven't seen him much uh, in business. But uh, he is on trial with uh, uh, Zenit, and uh, this is an, again interesting transfer because, as we know, Zenit uh, really doesn't really uh, have a problem of splashing cash and going for a Kazakhstan player. Uh, this is uh, interesting, um, but yeah, it's very you know it's hard to really to understand um, his transition uh, from Kazakh league where he played at Kairat, and of course he has been successful there and he is the captain of the national team. But how does that level translate to the Russian Premier League, and not only to any club, but to Zenit, the club which is regularly plays in well, regularly plays. I have to make an asterisk here, but plays in Champions League sometimes, and um, really like the players he has, he will be competing against for the places in in the starting lineup are you know very high quality. So uh, this is an interesting guy. That's why I think it is. Um, Uh, trial, not not a done deal. So I think he just has to prove himself. And I think this is an interesting uh, transfer. He's 26 years old, so potentially could be uh, a good addition. And I think, you know, he I don't think he's very expensive. So I think they're doing an interesting, uh, a little bit different uh, type of uh, acquisition. You know, if everything else fails, they can always sign him and loan him out to Sochi. Oh, yeah, exactly. To make it double digits. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, they need to be a number 10 um, because that is what he is. Interesting. He's compared to, we, you know, we have this feature on Transfermark where we can like uh, look at the players that he's compared to. Um, one that he's compared to is uh, Louis Schaub, who is an attacking midfielder at Hamburg. Uh, Lucas Celarian, um, attacking midfielder who played in Mexico, is now in the MLS. So, pff, I mean, it sounds like a decent enough player and it would be interesting maybe for Sinead to have a player from Kazakhstan in their squad, whether if it's to, you know, be able to, for Gazprom to sign new gas contracts in Kazakhstan, yeah. it's always good to have that a little bit on your portfolio, isn't it? I'm curious if oh, Andrea Arshavin... <laughs> 
Uh, I'm curious if Andrea Shavin had any say in, in that transfer because obviously he's a former Zenit player and he pl- spent uh, a few years in Kazakh league. So and he's very close, obviously, to um, uh, Zenit's management. So I think he might have put a good word for this uh, gentleman. Okay, I- I'm going with the Gastrolling uh, idea, but maybe it was a <laughs> fair, shot. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, boys, that's it. I, I, I can sense Andrew's disapproval with my thoughts all the way from uh, Siberia <laughs> to here. Uh, so uh, I, I, I wouldn't call it disapproval, just amusement at your cynicism. But I know it's actually rooted in a fair bit of experience in this. So you're probably not wrong. That's the worrying part. <laughs> well, I think it's a good time to um, cut this off before I get into too much trouble. Um, but boys, before we cap off, our first podcast of the 2020s, the Roaring Twenties. Andrew, uh, I know you have a bunch of new projects that you want to direct our listeners to. So floor is yours. Go for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, usually when uh, we do this time slot, I'm the one who's wide awake, but I'm, I haven't actually been to bed all, day, all night um, because I launched a new website yesterday um, called heartof.football. And it's it's a it's a lot of fun. We've got some original interviews, some historical articles, some debates, um, and it's 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 a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. So please do have a look. We just launched yesterday, um, and uh, we welcome contributions as well. So yeah, that's that's what I'm focusing a lot of my time on at the moment. Yeah, fantastic stuff. I mean, I, I would like to tell you that launching a website is a bad idea, but um, it got me to the transfer market. So yeah. Go for it. Have fun. Uh, I hope that all the listeners go and check it out. Check out the content. Give give people a read. Independent blogs are really important. They provide the spine of football journalism in a lot of ways. And I think there is less and less out there. Um, so if there is a new one coming out, you should go and support it. And, you know, just clicking on it and contributing to it. And, um, you know, creating content that isn't in mainstream media is very important. Um, Tim... How about you? What you have? What have you been up to? I mean, we haven't spoken in so long. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there was, uh, yeah. As usual, I'm very busy with uh, everything which is uh, related to music. Uh, but uh, something that I can uh, give maybe to football guard listeners. Uh, my band, uh, we do uh, songs in Russian and 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 in English, a few cover songs. And the song which is, works really, really well at the show is the cover of the song by uh, the band called Bonnie M from actually Germany, a song called Rasputin, Ra Ra Rasputin, Russia's greatest love machine. So we finally recorded that song and should be probably by the time this podcast is out, it should be on all the streaming platforms. So if you're curious for some crazy uh, punk rock covers of Bonnie M, uh, you can uh, just... Uh, go to any streaming platform and go to for Russian Tim and Pavel Bures. We should maybe make that our new title song. I, ha- I have the music. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk to the editors. We'll make this happen. I think that's, this is a glorious idea. That, that, that's got my thinking head on, but that's for a different time. Um, yeah, you can find me still uh, on Twitter at Manuel Fate. I still do you know, a lot of the things that I did before, I, I write articles for Forbes. I just had an article out on where Timo Werner is going to go. Um, then, of course, I do the Transfermarkt.us content completely. Um, I'm in charge of that. And um, there will be an interview out with Jesse Marsh. And we actually will have that interview with the Red Bull Salzburg coach 
platform wide so it will come out in english but it will also be on the platform in german i saw the my translation of the article in german already it looks pretty good i'm, I'm really looking forward the, the article is completely done and ready we have graphics out for it and everything so um, it will probably be out at some point tomorrow so look out for that and yeah that's the regular football grad content a lot of it is still still happening we do the previews for 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 games we do match reports chris williams was just in germany he did a couple of really good articles on on fußballstadt.com so uh, please give us a follow at football grad live well boys that is it for this week until next week das vidanje It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.